welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. Tonight, where our beautiful host is still on troubles, I am shown not by David, not by one of our usuals, but rather an unusual host and lovely guest. How are you doing, Sandman? I'm doing fantastic. I feel like the, uh, you know, substitute teacher that, you know, keeps getting to come back and show the kids cool movies, so. <laughs> That's my current role at school. I'm going to go into slight detail in that in a few minutes. But yeah, seems like they have left the kids alone at home. There's no guidelines, there's no rules. They haven't even gave, gave us a semblance of a plan. So they just unhinged two zoomers that love random magic cards to talk for around an hour. And we're going to try and keep ourselves below an hour. Perfect, sounds good to me. So, Simon, how's how is life been going besides magic and besides a pretty tiny f- falling in love with Wimbrisk Heights? No, man, all is well in the magic world. Um, you know, I, I think that this set is really, really fantastic. Bunch of really interesting cards, a lot of text on both the fronts of magic cards and on the backs of magic cards. Uh, randomly, this might be one of the best sets for limited magic of all time. I know this is a, a podcast that talks about, you know, modern and pioneer, but uh, if anyone is interested in trying draft for the first time in a while, this set is great. Yeah, very complicated, plenty of room to explore. So really excited about it. We're also going to talk a bit about that as soon as we go about a bit of what has happened in Magic for this past week, especially what happened yesterday. There was the the limited PPTQ in in Magic Online by um, limited showcase. And it's chaos is happening as it seems Daybreak plays the finals. They had a one draft instead of a mom draft. Yeah. Um... People are all over it. Yeah, that's that's not great. Um, what I'm thinking probably happened is when they put those schedules together, they you know had to put in the the format for the event, and um, they just forgot to update it to be um, March of Machine uh, draft for the top eight. So um, you know, congratulations to those players for making the top eight. You know, hope they had fun playing. Uh, Phyrexia all will be one. Uh, hopefully this doesn't happen again and that this isn't, you know, that big of a news story long term. Yeah. Daybreak continues being at least an amazing company and it seems they are asking Magic if it's and they are asking Adwatsi if it's able to stretch the invitations for all top eight players. So at least they're trying to minimize damage done. Perfect. Yeah, I mean that's a great solution. Besides that, a few bug fixing has been done. I was just talking to Salman about how Sabas is once again legal in modern as it was previously banned due to the fact that playing Savas caused the game to literally restart. So now it seems Hard and Scale is back on the menu. And Spike has been loving it. I think he's like 21-4, played in today in the showcase, had a 5-0 start that ended up as a 5-2 drop. Hmm. Um, have they fixed uh, Invasion of Alara yet? It's the only card from the new set that's been bugged. Sort of. Sort of. So, Invasion of Alara. So, I have this issue. How does Invasion of Alara supposed to work on the front side? Tell me, Sandman, tell me your interpretation of the front side of Invasion of Alara. So, I do know how it's supposed to work, but it doesn't work properly on Magic Online. All right. So, that side is still bugged. But the backside, ha- the backside has been fixed, so it's strictly better than it should be <laughs> because the backside works and the front side is upgraded. <laughs> Perfect. For anyone that doesn't know Invasion of Alara, um, it is a very, very complicated magic card. I'll go ahead and read it now. Um, But it is uh, one mana of each color for a battle with seven defense. 
And um, whenever you play Invasion of Alara and it enters the battlefield, you exile cards from the top of your library until you exile two non-land cards with mana value four or less. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost and put the other one into your hand. Then put the other cards exiled this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, the way this works on uh, Magic Online currently is when you cast this and you basically cascade, cascade, and cast one of them. Um, when you cast one of them, the other one, you actually are allowed to select a card that is not one of the cards that is cheaper than uh, five mana. So what is happening a lot is, you know, you'll double cascade and you'll hit like Vampire Hex Mage so you can immediately flip the Invasion of Alara. And instead of having your other card be, you know, maybe a random removal spell or, you know, maybe a, a mana fixing thing, um, if you had like cascaded through an Invasion of Alara, you could just actually put that other Invasion of Alara into your hand. Uh, that's not the way the rules are supposed to work. Um, but that is currently the way that it is bugged on Magic Online. Um, it is not doing a great job of separating those two exile piles for the second part. Um, the part that they had fixed was the backside of the card, which uh, also has a million words on it. Um, the backside is Awaken the Maelstrom. It's a sorcery that says target player draws two cards, and then you may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield create a token that's a copy of a permanent you control, uh, distribute three plus one plus one counters among one, two, or three creatures you control, and then destroy target permanent in opponent controls. I'm sure if you show this, like, exactly... You can just show this sorcery to someone in 2005, tell them this is a custom card, and they will tell you about how terrible it is and it is too wordy. Mm -hmm. Oh, how times have evolved. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, if you can get the backside to happen, it is incredibly powerful. Um, awkwardly enough, the previous way that it worked on Magic Online was um, if you weren't able to put an artifact card into play from your hand, which is like definitely the least important part of the card. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't let you do the create a token part because... I didn't even know that was linked. I just thought you couldn't make a token. I never realized it was interlinked to the second part actually happening. Yeah, be because the um, the creating a, um, a token copy of something isn't a target effect. When the card is resolving, you're supposed to be able to do it as it resolves. But apparently the way it was coded was um, you didn't put an artifact into your hand or from your hand into play. All right, well, now we're done playing this spell, uh, which is just not the way the card works. So... I'm happy they fixed that. That is the more important fix, I think, of the two. Uh, hopefully they can yeah. get, get around to the front side as well, though. Yeah, the issue with the frontline bug is people are going to exploit it, but if you want to play the card fairly, you're able to. Yeah. So it's actually not never an error. You never get harmed by it, rather only if your opponent actually grabs a leyline binding with the front trigger. That's the only downside currently it has, but a beautiful card. And you have actually been quite in love with it, from what I heard. Or at least the other battles, the more regular ones. Yes. So um, I'm going to, you know, get on, get on my little, um, you know, uh, soapbox and uh, preach about the awesomeness of battles. Um, I know in the set spoiler with Dan, I was trying to hype him up on battles because he was pretty low on them. That was super low on them. I wasn't, I wasn't as hyped as you, but I was super excited about at least the promise of them. 
there is a lot going on with them. So the important thing to know about battles is the front side of the battles is almost never worth the card, which makes sense because there is a back yeah. side. They designed them that way. And flipping them to the back is not trivial. Um, you know, you do need to do something. Um, if you've ever had an opponent play a, you know, Ren and Six on you early and it get up to five counters, you know how hard it is to deal five points of damage to something if someone doesn't want you to. So, you know, it, it is an important thing to have your deck be built both to maximize the effect of the battles and also how do you get to the backside. The It's actually the second best uncommon in the entire set for limited um, is Invasion of Amonkhet. I've just loved drafting this card so much, and I finally jumped back into modern um, a couple of days ago. Before we go into your modern love for battles, please tell us about the limit of the set that I think LSB has called it one of the five best drafting sets in history. Ooh, absolutely. Um, so this draft format is fantastic. One of the main reasons why I love this draft format so much is there is room to play almost every single card in the set, depending on what your deck looks like. And the card quality is insanely high in this set. Um, there is two main reasons why the power level of these decks feel less like regular draft and um, closer to you know a cube-esque format. And it comes down to the structure of the packs. A regular magic pack will have, you know, one rare mythic, three uncommons, and 11 commons. That is not the structure of these packs. Um, every pack in this set has a rare or mythic. It has a battle slot. So there's always a battle in every pack. Um, and then there is also a um, legend from outside of the set that has been um, put into a list. And these legends range everywhere from... You know, um, Tetsuko Umazawa, you know, efficient but not world-breaking uh, uncommons, all the way up to Aragavan, Nimble Pelferer, Kenrith, the Redeemed or Returned King, Grimgrin, like some really powerful cards. So I can imagine the super real tilt of actually beating your opponent game one, game two, you lose a half ma hard matchup, and your opponent just goes, okay, turn one Ragavan onto game three, and you just go, like, wait, what? I, uh, I I had a game earlier this week where my opponent played Ragavan, modern staple, but I was on the play, so I played my two drop on turn two, and I wasn't really that afraid of Ragavan at this point because, you know, at the end of the day, it does have to hit you. He, he doesn't get to play Lightning Bolt or Fury or the other cards that really enable it um, like it has in modern. Yeah, yeah, it's so much worse than modern. But then he played Tetsuko um, Umazawa. No, the blue girl? Yeah. And, no! Um, for those of y'all who don't know random uh, cards from, I believe it was Dominaria when it Dominaria. was first printed. Yeah. Um, it's a two mana one three that gives creatures you control with power or toughness one or less unblockable. Um, <laughs> which Ragavan uh, conveniently has one toughness. Who would so, have said uh, so? Uh, they, they added one cool word to their Ragavan because they didn't have enough text yet, and that was unblockable. And, and that's just like a really cool effect that you normally couldn't get in a limited format outside of Cube. That just happens in the set. So um, that's one of the reasons why the set has been so awesome. All of the color combinations are playable. Um, Monocolor decks are playable. Five color decks are playable. Um, you can win drafts with no rares or mythics. You can win a draft with six rares and mythics. 
Um, seven drops are playable. One drops are playable. Like this is a fantastic set. So adding up to what Salman is saying from other huge entities of the game, Amas, 10 days ago said this is likely one of the all-time greatest sets of magic. And LSB literally said, I'm this close in between quotes to calling Mam my favorite draft set of all time. Yeah. We're reaching that point of amazingness. I have to draft this set a bit more. They're also saying stuff like, like there's a lot of hate around one specific white card. I don't know if you can actually tell me which one it is. It is. Uh, so there are there are two cards that specifically have um, kind of crazy impacts on the game. They are both white cards. One of them is, I believe it's uh, pronounced Solace. Um, it's a basically Wrath of God for two white and three, um, but it exiles all the creatures. And in addition to that... Sunfall. Sunfall, yeah. Um, two and three, five mana. Then in addition to exiling all the creatures in play, uh, you also incubate X. So um, this set is like very, very normal for boards to kind of get stalled out. Just a lot of power toughnesses, a lot of tension on the boards. It's very easy for this to just like come into play, really end a game because not only have you cleared up the board, but you put a like 11 power incubate token into play. Um, and oftentimes, in addition to raffling the board, if you had an incubate token that you just hadn't flipped yet, you can flip your incubate token that is already out there and then win a battle immediately. And swing with haste. So um, it, it's a lot of the time, you know, where wraths are good and limited. Um, this is a wrath that usually puts a, you know, 6-6 six, six into play, you win a battle, and the game kind of ends from there. So um, that card is a little oppressive. Uh, also, uh, original seven mana Elspeth is uh, one of the um, from uh, Beyond Legends in the set. So um, those two cards are insane. I also saw quite a bit of hate around Phyrexian Sensor in Limited. Yeah, I mean, there are very powerful cards in the set. Um, one of the like things that you learn after just a couple drafts of this is if your deck isn't doing something powerful and doesn't have uh, uniquely powerful cards um you have put yourself in a little bit of a hole it's just kind of the the nature of the beast where you know most packs have you know five uncommons and a rare so if you can't find a cool powerful thing to do and you're just trying to curve out on people and two two into three three into four four uh you might not be good enough in this set so it is it is really just like a approach thing. You you learn it pretty quickly though. Alright, so beautiful set. I did never consider the fact that the set boosters being differently built would affect the draft experience so much, but once you think about it for a second, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you were to think about the fact that like most draft um sets in years past, you know, you you expect that there's going to be a couple pretty clunky um, cards that, you know, the last three or four picks, um, you're just like, no one's interested in. This set just doesn't have any of those cards. Plus, it's, you have hmm. two or three powerful uncommons also in the pack. So, you, you like, you have these moments where you get like, pack one, pick six, an uncommon that you're like, I could have second picked this or first picked this, that it just gets to you. And they would have been happy with that result. Yeah. Yeah, it just happens all the time. And that, that will happen in pack one, in pods where, like, everyone knows what they're doing. So, 
Yeah, <laughs> really, really phenomenal set. I actually draft with um, Amaz a uh, pretty regularly, and yeah, we've we've been very much gushing on this set. So, with with whom? Amaz. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He uh, uh, he's like a, a neighbor of mine. He he moved down here to Texas to draft with uh, some of my draft guys years ago. So good dude. Can you tell Amaz I love him and he was one of the guys that actually got me to TCGs when he was in Carstone? Absolutely, will do. I'll, I'll let him know. Uh, my friend from Argentina is a big fan. Perfect. He, he's, the, he's the one at fault whenever I start brewing random stuff. You can blame him. Good, good. Sort of a slippery slope. So, now that you have prophesied about your love of the limited in this set, you can go on with your love about mm. battles. Especially, I think, three battles have bought your heart the most. Yeah, so um, really one in specific has um, taken my heart over, and it's Invasion of Amonkhet. Let me first read that for people that actually don't read their three-mana draw-card enchantments. So, Invasion of Amonkhet. A battle, a siege, when it enters, each player mills three cards, then each opponent discards, and you draw a card. And it has four zero-loyalty for battle counters. And once you flip it, it's a 4-4 that when it enters the battlefield, it can do so as a copy of any creature in any graveyard. Except it's still a 4-4 black zombie. So, what's so amazing about our propaganda? So, um, the, the thing that I love about Invasion of Amonkhet is... The first thing to notice is most of the battles have between 4 and 6 um, loyalty, or in this case, defense... Um, yeah. the lower that number, the much easier it is. Um, there's like a significant difference between four and then five and then six. Yeah, I think, I think five is the modern playable, like above five, you have to cheat it to activate it, right? Yeah. I have never seen anyone play a fair, a fair one with more than five battle counters. Yeah, absolutely. So Invasion of Amonkhet. The the reason why I've been so in love with this card is it replaces itself immediately by drawing a card. It gets you a little bit of card advantage immediately by taking away a card from your opponent. And then if you can ever flip it, the power of like making a 4-4 copy of something in a graveyard is basically always more than one card. You know, powerful cards exist in Magic. It They really exist in the limited format. And so being able to kind of clone something that you have either solved already or your opponent has solved already um, was super, super impactful. And that is only more true in Modern. Um, I, I took a, a basically five-color domain um, invasion deck actually to a 5-0 a couple of days ago. Um, it was my very first um, league with the new set. I'll run through the list pretty quickly. Please, please. It will sound like two uh, decks that you know very well. Smashed one into the other. Yeah. So um, this deck is uh, <laughs> 10 cards that I'm playing four copies of each. Um, I took four Grief, four Fury, four Undying Malice to give me a, a scam package. Playing Grief and Undying Malice on turn one to, um, you know, tear apart your opponent's hand and leave a kind of evasive four power creature is really, really efficient for winning battles. The domain package has uh, four Territorial Kavu, four Tribal Flames, four Scion of Draco. Um, these are the most efficient ways of putting power and burn um, at target things. 
and this does it in chunks of four and five, so very, very easy to win battles. Yeah. The battles that we were playing in this deck was Invasion of Asgol, um, mostly just for the front side. It's a it's black-red for an edict. Your opponent loses a life. Um, its backside is a 2-1 menace that grows. Yeah, what, once we start talking about the specific of the deck, I think if there was one card I would change, it's that one. Yeah, it, it's like not the most impressive. Mostly it's kind of cool that it's a card that pitches to both Grief and Fury, that if you are scamming them into play, you're getting some more value. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's mostly just a removal spell, um, and I just wanted to get as much um, knowledge on the battles as possible. Okay. Um, and then it's also playing the Red-Green Invasion, Invasion of Ergamon. Um, hmm. Invasion of Ergamon has five defense, um, comes into play, you can rummage... And it gives you a treasure, so discard a card, draw a card. Um, the backside is a 3-4 with Trample that, again, lets you discard a card. If you do, you get any land out of your deck or other battle. Um, this is just kind of to smooth out the mana base a little bit. Treasure being more useful than, than in other decks, just due to the fact we're playing a 5-color mana base, vulnerable to moon, no planes, no nothing. Yeah, absolutely. So just just kind of fixes the mana base also letting you like search out which battle you're interested in. You know, it, it is nice that this can grab either the invasion of Amonkhet so we can do our big scary things or grab us a removal spell in Asgals. So, um, you know, kind of a cool interaction there for invasion of Amonkhet. Like I was talking about earlier, the card is super powerful. Um, and then uh, one card that is not in either the scam deck or the um, uh, domain deck um, I wanted to have one really good thing to be reanimating with my Invasion of Almond Cats. Um, so I just chose the, the best creature to reanimate ever printed in Magic. Um, Atraxa, Grand Unifier, you know, um, we're trying to discard it to um, Invasion of um, uh, Ergamon or the Territorial Kafu or Pitch it to Grief to get rid of stuff. So this interaction of playing like turn two Territorial Kafu into turn three invasion of Amonkhet, um have domain so it's a five five i'm gonna attack my invasion of Amonkhet. i'm gonna choose the discard draw card portion i'll discard atraxa would you like to block is such an incredibly powerful moment because you very much are just putting your opponent on you can't not block ever again yeah yeah once atraxa touches the graveyard if that invasion ever gets to die yeah, and this deck randomly is also um, maybe the best deck of once an Atraxa um, hits the board because um, we have a lot of different card types because we can take a battle. Battle is a new card type, so you can you know grab one of those. The instants in your deck are literally just Undying Malice, um, but if your opponent gets rid of the Atraxa that you have in play, you just get to Undying Malice it, and it turns back into Invasion of Amonkhet. It does go to the front side, but um, it, it's actually like kind of better that way because since you've drawn all these cards, you probably have a tribal flames or you probably are getting through with a creature anyways. So you can just reflip it again. So not only are you like getting your tracks back, but you're also getting your opponent discards a card and you draw a card. And sometimes you, you don't even want um, a Traxa. Like if you have a fury in your graveyard, being able to just be like, okay, I copy fury, I kill your blockers. 
like that is also really really impactful so yeah i mean this deck is it was insane um i played it you know first league of modern mom mana base was awful sideboard was um very much just thrown together last minute Five out immediately, clean some stuff up, and four one again with it. So um, I'm very very excited about this. I did try a second version that has Archon of Cruelty. Um, in that version, I also put in Persist, and that package is really powerful. I, I do think that if you're if you don't have Persist in the deck and you just want like the creature that does the most when it comes into play, just just take a Traxa. Um, it's like. Looking at 10 cards is so insane. It has lifelink, so, like, it it solves um, your opponent beating you down. Like, having all of the evoke creatures in your deck makes it to where, even if you're tapped out when it comes into play and you needed to get rid of your opponent's creature, you'll probably hit a Fury, you'll hit a red card to pitch to it. If you need to get a card out of your opponent's hand, uh, you can just take Grief, you can take a black card. You, like, you get to do whatever you need to have done in that moment. And you have an Atraxa in play, and that card's pretty good, actually. Um, you know, it's just, like, really, really powerful cards. So, yeah, it's just the fact that Atraxa gets a million abilities. But, sadly, most battles don't have flash for my new true love. I have been falling down a slippery slope of Duck Faden. So, Duck Faden has shown our Discord, and that has been a problem for my mental health. Because... When you get an amazing brewer that's just like spewing out random nonsense with ETVs, I am a good victim. Fair, fair. No, I completely get that. You know, the the best of brewing is, you know, very dangerous towards our, you know, precious play points, so. Does it ever happen to you that you're like, you're playing a good deck, you have a good streak, you're like up a few hundred or thousand play points, a few tickets, and then you find three or four spicy brews and by the time you notice, you're like, okay, it seems I have to grind once again. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I'm, I'm Moto Infinite, so I, I, I don't really worry about the, the play points. I'm Moto Infinite until I ruin myself. Generally be a drafting. I'm the author of my own, of my own pain. Like, every single time Modern Horizons is on the meta, on, on, mm. on MTGO... I stopped being infinite for a few days. That <laughs> happens. No, I get it. It just destroys me. It just Modern Horizons is too tempting for me. Modern Horizons 1 is such a good drafting experience. But we have talked about draft. Now we talk about Flash. Invasion of Finistrad, the only Flash battle. And that's sad because I'm down on this Slitherwiz plus Giara train. And not the good Giara, not the ancient one, not the one that actually has a decent deck around it, but Errant and Giara. Who is errant? We don't care. Loft Forsaken in Streets of Nuka been a rare bulk. But this errant and Giara actually works. So we have we got a new toy for our flash decks to love. A 3 mana 2-3 flying flash flying and allows you to look at the top of your deck and play cards with either flash or flying from the top of your deck. For once in my lifetime I'm getting the dream of playing four color flash. Just flash. No other synergies, no other value besides the fact that it's mostly ATVs. So t- tell me, you know, on the, the flash pile, you know, the, the creatures that I think of that have flash, you know, uh, I'm, I'm an old school magic player. So I'm thinking, you know, Snapcaster Mage. I'm thinking, um, you know, Venser. I'm thinking Old Fairy. 
I'm, I'm assuming we're not playing any cards, uh, but before the modern era, it feels like. No, not even before the modern era. We're not playing cards before like the last two years, which is a bit of modern nowadays, sure. sadly, right? Modern has evolved past the point of legality. We're now playing the new cards with old card backup. And I'm looking at this deck list, and the only card I have from before MH1 is a Pensador Sprite. Oof. So the deck list, just starting with first later with three Arantangiara. The package, the value, the engines of the deck, the cards that allow you to choose for once yourself in the early game. Then, of course, the 12 best flash spells in modern nowadays. Four Leyland Binding, four Subtlety, four Solitude. Why wouldn't you play for Solitude for Leyland Binding in your flash deck? They are just too strong. Solitude, we love you. And then, because we do need to fill up plots, what's the next best flash spells? Well, four Ice Fan Quartle, which make the mana cry. I know my mana looks at me and asks me why with pain and crying in its size. When you could just be an Esper deck and you decide to splash green for one card, your mana base looks at you with an overgrown tomb like, why are you doing this to me, Mord? We could be Esper. We could be happy. But now we have Leyland Binding, so that forces me to be even greedier. And then, alongside everything else, four beautiful spells start a sprite. And for Ephemerates, because I have Quarrel and Solitudes and Subtleties in my deck. And Spencer Sprite sucks until everybody is playing Cascade. I mean, it is like... I have such a love for Spellstutter Sprite. The the first event that I ever... Uh, first PTQ I ever top-aided was old-school Lorwyn um, uh, Standard. So I've played plenty of the Spellstutter Sprite, the Vendillion Click, like... Those cards, they, they look way worse than they actually play out. But, you know, whenever you get even even a one-drop spell, you know, a, a Lightning Bolt, a Ragavan, a, uh, you know, in, in previous modern, a Path to Exile, um, you know, that that is yeah. a whole card worth of value. And you have a 1-1, you know, if, if Counterspell said, you know, Counter-Target Spell, make a 1-1 Flying Thopter you would be so happy. And this is like way better than that because you can flicker it. Like, wow. Stuff that has happened is like, so against Cascade, it's insane because they can remove it and it still <laughs> counters. That's just the insane part. It's a two mana one, one that counters any three spell that costs um, any Cascade spell. So it costs, costs counters a three drop, which is just insane tempo in your favor. It is a creature, so it doesn't work. So it doesn't get caught by most of the, your opponent is expecting you to play so it doesn't get countered by Force of Negation or Spell Pierce, which a lot of the time is exactly what they're mm-hmm. holding, right? Whenever a Living End goes so into the step with leaving it with just Force of Negation, making sure everything is going to be all right, you play a, a Spell Sprite and they just mm-hmm. collapse. Unexpected, devastating, all of a sudden. And most of the decks nowadays, like Murktide and Shadow, that's slightly on the rise for some reason, just... Super flop to being able to you counter the one drops consistently. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the more streamlined that decks get, the lower on the curve they become. Um every deck in, in modern these days has, you know, one drops. Um and they're more yeah. and more impactful the the further we go along. Uh, you know, I was talking with a, a buddy recently about, you know, the difference in one drops over the past, you know, ten years. We've gone from Goblin Guide being the, you know, king of the one-drops to... The king of yeah, aggression. Yeah, just like, 
oh yeah, I mean, Goblin Guide's cool, you know? Uh, oh, oh man, Wild Nakatl was banned in modern at one point, you know? But but these days, we've got, you know, Dragon Rage Channeler, we've got Esper Sentinel, we've got Ragavan, like, we've got these, like, important things that you need to deal with that cost one mana. Um, Spellstutter Sprite is king of stopping those, and if you ever have had the experience of ephemerating a Spellstutter Sprite to get another counter, it's Oh, so nice. Oh. So yesterday, just yesterday, I was playing against... So I think my opponent wage quitted because of this, but my opponent going turn three, glimpse, and I only have three mana open. M-step, they cascade, I go spell starter, they untap, cascade cascade again, ephemerate spell starter. And they considered the match. Mm -hmm. That was game one. So glimpse is on the rise for some reason. And Rhinos was said by Menguchi to be the best deck in the format, and everybody loves living in. Why would you not play Spellstarter Sprite? Two mana counter with upside? Yeah, I mean... It's just golden. I think that Living End is like very much in that kind of dredge uh, space from a couple of years ago, where it is exactly yeah. as powerful as it is in the format as uh, Graveyard Hate is not, you know? So, no, I, I think it's different. I think Living End gets severely weakened by the strength of Rhinos. Everybody's running Kalis of the Void. Everybody's prepared to stop... Because people aren't fighting Rhinos on the board. They're fighting Rhinos on sure. the stack. Flusterstorm, Kalises, and Living End gets so punished by Yeah, them. I mean, it... But, I mean, mostly what I'm saying is, like, in the same way that, like, Dredge has those moments where it just, like, has a couple weeks in a row where it just slaughters the format. Oh, yeah. It, it is just completely... Yeah. You're you're playing uh, magic in a way that is so different than every other deck approaches the format that if people don't have the cards in their sideboard to deal with you, they just can't. They they just don't have an option to yeah. play magic. You can't fill your board up faster than they can get the three mana. You can't hope that they you know miss on the draws. Like every card in their deck says draw into the thing that does the thing, uh, and they just do the thing. And if they do. A thing. Mm -hmm. They don't do things. They have a thing. They're quite good at doing the thing. And decks are not good at stopping yeah. said thing. So they just get to go off super consistently. Other thing card in Living End is Hello Moonlight being the best answer to creativity. Yeah, it, it is It is a weird thing where there are a number of creatures in the format that people will try to play to stop the uh, the deck. And... Like, Draineth Magistrate is good at stopping them, but um, just a word to the wise, uh, don't try to Containment Priest to stop your opponent's uh, living end. Uh, the, it doesn't work the way you want it to. Um, you know, yeah. The, there's this. like, you know, I, I understand that most of the graveyard hate, um, you know, can be accomplished these days with Sanctifier in Vec. Um, it doesn't really do anything against living end, so that, that doesn't do it either. No. Like. I mean, if you have it, it's better than spot removal because at least it will get the architects of Will and the Griefs out, but don't count it as hate against yeah. living end. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't do anything against the 7-7 seven, seven whale that makes all of your guys tiny. like Or the 5-5 five, five hexproof that they always have two in their opening yeah. hand. So, uh, living end is definitely a deck that, you know, is going to wax and wane depending on people's sideboards. Also, like, it is a deck that gets to play Grief and force of negation so like it has plenty of interaction where the deck just like used to be a kind of streamlined combo deck now it like actually gets to make sure hey is the coast clear you know it's not just you know shooting in the dark so 
um, have a plan. Remember the good old ladies of four Fulminator or Mage and Fulminator or Mage being like 60 bucks? Beast Within was in the deck long, long ago. Beast Within was in the deck, Fulminator or Mage was a placement in the deck, and it was like 50 bucks because he didn't have a lore, uh, reprint since Lorwyn. Are you just drinking straight out milk? That's a crazy thing to bring up on the pot. I mean, I just looked at you and it was like, milk. I just came from workout, bro. Gotta, gotta hit my macros. All right. The, all right. I gotta hit the macros. Dan, get edit the that out. <laughs> Dan, get it out. Get it out. No, but yeah, so I have been falling in love with the flash decks just because the other day playing against Titan, ephemerating a resolved subtlety, top five best feelings against yeah. Titan in the world. Turn four subtlety or Titan, turn five recast, I ephemerate, just use one mana to super counter your spell through Cavern of Souls. Oof. Top notch. And then just start drawing cards with Slitherwisp. That game, they were about to go off, and I just did, like, eight damage on the end step. Like, choose leader with some board, subtlety, solitude, solitude, dress down, deal eight. Subtlety dealing damage to your opponent is super weird in a card that's mm -hmm. Dimir. You never expect a Dimir, a Dimir card to be your opponent, the one losing life. It's just weird to look at. Yeah, I do think the, the big, you know, fix for this deck is the fact that, like, Arrington Giada lets you have some more grindiness to you, but I mean, Slither Wisp is definitely yeah. still a more powerful card. Can we can we agree to that first? Yeah, we can agree to that. Arrington Giada has the huge upside of being much better colors, pitching to Solitude as well. And the fact that a lot of the time, even if you're not playing cards from the top, just getting to look at your top at least. So I, I use Arrington Giada with a lot of expertise due to playing a mm -hmm. lot of goblins. Holding your face lands open, never cracking, waiting for an errand, knowing how to handle the top of your deck. I used to be a Corsair of Crufix lover in my first years of Magic playing Value Town. I then became a Snoop lover and now I'm playing mm -hmm. Orient and Giara. I just love the look at the top and interact sort of deck when yeah, we fetch lands. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Slither Wisp makes it to where you probably draw an additional card, you know, every turn, maybe two every couple of turns. Like, you know, it's it's average additional cards for every turn it's in play. It's like probably like 1.5 if we had to put a number to it. Arrington Giada is like yeah. closer to 0 0.9, you know? Like it's it's almost a full card um, just because of fetching. So the, the huge part is how well they That's work That's the main thing. A lot of games, if one gets to survive and you have the other in hand and you go next turn, hold up, a Peach Spell plus Leader Waste plus Ephemer mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. It's just game over. It just happens. You play turn three and Errant and Giara uh, as Leader Waste on your opponent end step. You go to your turn, flash in Errant. You have a solid on, you have a solid on top. Peach, draw a card, get a new look at the top. You are literally starting to cast free spells, pinging your opponent, developing value, and just going through your deck. Looking at Binding on top, playing a Giara and just seeing a Binding for one mana is just oof. And you played in your upkeep to actually get to draw something decent, mm -hmm. just golden. Yeah, no, I mean, the the ability for the deck to... Uh, each one of those cards does kind of say suspend one, grind out your opponent. Um, you know, so if you play one of these things on turn three... You, and, and Slither Wisp, of course, because of having Solitude and Subtlety. And I mean, I, I even think that this deck could play a couple of Endurances. 
Um, I know it's really hard on the mana, and there's not so many green cards. We're currently only looking at Ice Fang Quaddle. So this is the first time. I, so the, the first two leagues. So the first two leagues, I went three two. It was without Quaddles. Then I went four one mm-hmm. with Quaddles. So this is. I'm just trying to test the mana with Quaddles. First list had a Naya Triumph, which was a lot worse than Ketya Triumphs, or, you know, I'm just starting to try and find the correct mm-hmm. numbers. But if I could play Endurance, I absolutely would. And Force of Negation is the next cut of the deck, so it's just bordering on getting cut out at, at any yeah. moment. I mean, I, I think that with decks like this, I am just most interested in putting my opponent to the you got it test. And the, the best way to do that hmm. is going to be, you know, play the least amount of counter interaction possible just be a streamlined and make sure that yeah. when you are allowed to do your powerful thing, that it is powerful. You know, if if you play a Slitherwisp yeah. and you get to, you know, cast two or three um, of the, you know, pitch elementals immediately for any amount of value, you know, that's going to be super exciting. It's like a chunky yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, in Endurance, of course, is like of the pitch elementals, the one that has the worst ETB effect just generically in most matchups. Um, but it is also a three mana, three, four with flash. So I think it is like the best body um, for the cost. So, yeah, um, you know, th- that is something that I, I might be a little more interested in. Wondering Emperor might be actually a pretty good um, addition because aggro decks are being pretty hard with having... So your only removal spells are actually solid mm-hmm. your Lele Binding. Wondering Emperor acting as another zero removal, acting as another way to gain health. Actually, it might just be the fit. Also, being a flashy planeswalker is something unique. Let's you be grindy, yeah. Yeah, trying to survive at least, having more access to low to the ground removal. Besides that, maybe the answer is just take out Force of Negation at Prismatic Ending. Mm-hmm. Just have access to ways to kill a turn one monkey. Whenever I play this deck, I'm like, okay, this hand is great. Now, don't play a monkey. Just don't do it. Do anything else. You can do something else, and we will all be fine. You can play at RC. Yeah, I mean, currently our thing that slaughters monkeys is just Ice Fang Quaddle, because it, it always has Death Touch yeah. for one toughness creatures. It always has Death Touch for monkeys. The, the great part about this deck is Slither with Errant and Errant work as value engines, but you don't need them. Like, if your opponent just starts trading one for one, you still have the late game. Ice Fang Quaddle is still a 2 for 1, Dressdown is still a 2 for 1, Subtlety and Solitus are still 2 for 1s alongside Ephemerate. Or even just free. So you have 12 or 16 cards that are actually just still amazing ways to grind, even if your engines mm-hmm. get disrupted. The engines allow you just to be super tempo positive after you resolve. You resolve as leader with, yeah, now I can go ahead and just pitch a phone, pitch a subtlety, and cast a binding and feel like I'm mm. still ahead on cards. Even if I had to triple spell last turn. Yeah, and I mean, I- I'm going to just guess that the decks that you struggle the most against are. The ones that are doing something linear, unfair, and are not really trying to get grindy with you. Um, I'm assuming that, like, Yogmoth outside of Solitude ephemerating them um, is, like, kind of a nightmare. So that's where the four subtleties for Force of Negation come in. Like, for example, mm-hmm. Titan absolutely destroyed 3 three matches, 2-0, 2-0, The fact you just have subtleties, Force of Negation, Dress Down... Cascade decks, four force of negation, four spells other sprite. You just are acting super well against the unfair decks. You just have a lot of pieces that combo decks are not ready to get game one spells other sprite or subtle mm. or subtleties. 
they're just not prepared to prepare. You cannot prepare yeah. yourself for okay. that. And that's where you get the extra points. Actually, most my, most of my losses come into Sue, to Burn, actually to Creativity, but that's because I wasn't playing Hollow Moonlight or any Creativity sure. hating the sideboard. I mean, Creativity is a good deck. They can, they can beat through Moonlight sometimes, but yeah, it's just... Anything. I mean, they sometimes go turn one, thoughts, they turn two, Brennan six, turn three, favorite, turn four, come, and you're yep. like, okay, I did my best. I, I was tried. a good boy. I tried. We did the fun things. And yeah, now I'm super deep in Flash, and hopefully I might get a 5 soon so I can start thriving on it. Mm. Perfect. Well, you know, outside of, you know, the, the Flash decks that you've been playing, the, the battle decks that I've been, you know, hyping up in the, the Discord, um... Is there anything else hmm. in, in Modern that you've been super excited about with Mom? So, I don't think Mom had anything to do with this, but did you see Contraigo second place in the challenge with four-color Ursa? Uh, four-color... Oh, like the, you know, combo Thopters version? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been seeing it pop up. So he's playing four Ursa, four Goblin Engineer, three Esper Sentinel, three Ingenious Smith. So it's like Sheskai Ursa with a green splash for Haywire Might. But it's a Sheskai deck that's also playing four Ursa Saga. I mean, Ursa Saga is a really powerful card. I don't know. I don't know what you you really, you know. Fourth Doctor Foundry, one sort of a mic, and then just hoping to combo with Ursa the good old way. Uh, no, I mean, I haven't seen that deck. Um, I mean, I'm happy to see people are doing well with it. I, I will say, you know, right now I feel like Teferi Time Raveler is, like, as good as it's ever been in Modern. There's just, there's so many Cascade things running around. Oh, yeah. um, it also randomly stops the battles, if anyone is wondering about that. Um, you know. Yeah. It destroys the invasion of Alara, literally countering both sides of the of yeah, the card. There's um, th- there's definitely a lot uh, you know, that it's beating up on in the format. So if if someone is like interested in finding hate pieces right now in modern, uh, there's a lot of like kind of uniquely powerful hate pieces. Um, I mean, you know, your your deck that you were talking about does kind of get slaughtered to Linvala, you know, just stopping you from being able to pitch cycle your uh, or pitch cast the elementals is like yeah. really brutal, and and that is a card that is like uniquely good right now. Um, I, modern is both in a very healthy place and a very very uh, you know aggressive. You know the the games might not be over on turn four, but like you need to be doing something proactive. So I tend to respect Spike as a brewer, but I I don't tend to quote him much or anything. And one day he said something like. By turn four, you either interact with your opponent or you're winning the game. And he was playing a Boros deck, and that's the argument he used to justify Avalanche Rider. Mm. He was like, I'm playing Boros. I either concede to have the meta, or I try to at least attack their mana base. And that's modern nowadays. I think that's completely true. You have to do something before turn four, or you have to be winning. Yeah, I mean, um, I-, I think that... The, the format this was, like, easiest to kind of tell, um, you know, that there's, like, two or three modes that a deck can choose between um, was Legacy a couple of years ago. Uh, you were either one of the blue Force of Will, Ponder, Brainstorm decks, whether that was 
Delver hmm. or, you know, w- one of the many variants of those kind of piles. You were a combo yeah. deck that was trying to put together a two-card combo in the first two or three turns to just end the game. Or you were a um, Wasteland deck that was trying to, you know, uh, interact with your opponent's board, um, you know, do some taxing effects if that was, you know, a, a white creature taxes version or a, you know, exploration lands thing. And so even though the format might have had, let's say, 50 different decks that you could play, you were fighting on one of those three axes. That is very true for modern these days. You know, um, you are one of these decks that is playing creatures early game, trying to be proactive, trying to, you know, do your big thing. Um, you are a little bit slower, but you have a, you know, one or two card combo. That would be your cascade decks, your creativity piles, your, you know, Tron-esque things. Interact till you just do your thing. And then just go on with your thing. And then outside of that, you have, you know, control slash mid-range decks that are only trying to one for one. Just everything that your opponent does, have the answer to it, and hope that eventually, you know, you can um, find a two for one or two. And, you know, turn the game around on turn, you know, nine plus. Yeah. So the biggest complaint I have seen about modern nowadays, sadly, is how, well, I think this flash deck proves it. It's sort of focused on the new cards Mm -hmm. more than ever. But it's still super fun. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, there are packages of cards right now that are just incredibly powerful, you know? Um, your flash deck and my battles deck, you know, they, they look super weird. They look super innovative. They look like, you know, um, we're, you know, really cracking the format from a different angle. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're playing a a solitude ephemerate deck where a lot of the games that you win will come from, you know, solitude ephemerate. I, I have this, you know, 12, 20, 12 to 20 card pile that can be found in a lot of other decks. I'm doing that here, you know? I mean, literally, my battle deck is two piles of decks shuffled. I think your battle deck is just grabbing the... Yeah, you literally grab the reanimator pile, the soup pile, and the battle pile, and said, mm-hmm. do something. And you yeah. just set them free. And it works. They line up well. I mean, they work. Clearly, you got a 5-1 and a 4-1, and I have a friend playing it right now as we speak, and I think it's 2-0, so... Nice. <laughs> Clearly, there's something to it. But yeah, even through that, I think Modern is amazing. The other deck that has all of a sudden popped up in everybody's timelines is Mono Black, the bo- eh, Mono Black mm. Coffers. So I've actually played a decent amount of this deck. Um, I-, I first want to hear what your thoughts are, because this is a deck that I think is incredibly interesting, but is not very um, upfront with uh, you know what it's all about. So my biggest problem with Monoblack Coffers is I think I'm gonna dis- I'm gonna describe this in the same way I had this talk a few days ago. I think it last it lacks the eternal witness ephemerate the four color Yorion had. It lacks a way that once you're ahead enough, make sure you're gonna win. It doesn't have any cards that allow you to sort of lock out the game once you're ahead. Or it doesn't have inevitability, I feel. So you just sometimes your deck is only removal, and you still might get a grinder, which is insane considering how the rest of the deck is built around, right? Like, I have seen a lot of scenarios where the last card is in the bottom 10 cards, and they just don't find it. And 
they get out grinded. So there is one player that I think is the like the king of the deck. Um, his name is Trellin. He's a really fantastic guy. Trellin is the king of bad big mana decks. Yes, we all know that. Mono Blue Tron, he has written, I think, the largest primer ever written, which is the Mono Blue Tron mm-hmm. primer. The guy knows his big mana decks that are not The only ones. reason why I bring up him specifically is there are like a couple of different variations that people try to play of this deck. And he's yeah. the biggest advocate for Karn the Great Creator, where um, a decent number of people um, either don't play Karn the Great Creator or they play sideboards that are 100% Karn piles. Um, it, he just plays Karn the Great Creator as exactly, you have a couple big, um, threats at the top of the curve of, you know, Sundering Titan, um, and Wormquail Engine, basically. And then outside yeah. of that, you can grab Liquid Metal Coating for grindy games, and, or you yeah. can grab Engineered Explosives. And then I think it's like Ballista, Tormod Script, and Explosives. Yeah. Like three of... I think he has like seven seven or eight artifacts at most, and he has seven real yeah, sideboard cards. Super, 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 though. Um, you know, he's just trying to do, you know, make make sure that the grindy black spells in the deck are good. The way that you know if your um, mono black coffers deck has a good matchup is not how good is Fatal Push, not how good is, you know, Knight's Whisper, anything like that. It is, does Field of Ruin or uh, Demolition Field have text in this matchup? F yes, yeah. this is a good matchup. F no, it's going to be a little grindy. So he got a second place, actually, last week in the challenge. I'm looking at his list now. Yeah, the full playset of oh, Shadow yeah. of Doubt is just Chevsky's. So Shadow of Doubt is a super, super powerful magic card. It is actually really uh, good specifically against a lot of the domain decks, um, just because their mana base oh, yeah. is so tied into having um, all of the colors that they kind of have to are put on playing, you know, like 12 fetches. I remember something like it was super common, but the opponent had gone something like turn three, turn four, recent rift go, right? Trelon. Kills a recent reef, goes to his turn, play a fifth land, say go, opponent fetches. And then Trellos goes Shadow of Route, Field mm-hmm. of Ruin, double Stone Rain the opponent down to two lands, and that was just yeah. a game. Yeah. Just straight up game. The Mono Black Coffers deck very much plays like the old school um, Cloud Post decks from uh, Legacy, where their mana base goes from like. On turn one, they have one mana. On turn two, they have two mana. On turn three, they have uh, three mana. On turn four, they have on five. On turn four, they have like five. And then on turn six, it's 12. It's like, yeah, it just Nine. Like, it, yeah, it scales ten. infinitely up. The second coffer is just exponentializes yeah. it to the top. Yeah. Having double coffers in an herb organ play, you're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing whatever we would like at this point. So. I am surprised mostly by the lack of. Um, expansion map nowadays. The fact they're playing literally zero profane tutors or zero um, expedition. Oh yeah, map. no, no, no. This deck it doesn't have to have the coffers um, early game to operate. This version, and I, I haven't played the one that has um, this many damnations in it. Um, but this is just like th- these lists are all pretty similar. But Knight's Whisper like kind of ties the whole deck together. Every single card in your deck, one for ones, and eventually you play an Evoke Despair, which one for ones and draws you a card or two. 
and then you cast another Invoke Despair, and yeah. you actually do win most of your games from your opponent's mana base having hurt them, and then... And two or three Invoke Despair is dealing four, four, yeah, six. Yeah, you, you just kind of burn your opponent out late game, so... I definitely suggest anyone that hasn't tried this deck before, look up who Trellin is on YouTube. He posts a lot of his, um, you know, uh, experiences with the deck. Um, and then give it a try, because it is a very, very different approach to how Magic's played. Yeah. I mean, I just feel it's lacking something, you know? I don't know what it is. It just lacks, like, one card that is recursable, like, like an infinite threat. Slow, expensive, but inevitable. So, in previous versions of the deck, they have had uh, that slow, grindy, inevitable one-mana threat. Um, and that one-mana threat was just the um, exile target card from your uh, from any player's graveyard. Yeah. That is a card that is, like, very often in these um, decks. Um, currently failing to think of the, the name of it. Uh, but it has escape. The one would escape. The gains three life if it's a creature. Draws a card if not. Uh, cling to dust. Sorry, I found I found a, cling to um, dust. a list Perfect. for that. And you know these decks are fine with playing that kind of effect. Um, you know it. It just usually when you're doing that, you're playing uh, a little bit more. Um, you know one ofs all over the place, and you're kind of just interested in cling to dust being your card advantage effect. Yeah. Also, someone, some some of them are spicing it up with Warping Whale. Eh, sure. Eh. But yeah, maybe the answer is so simple as playing a main deck Emrakut or something I'm missing, and maybe that's all the only key. Something that just wins the game the way Sending Titan does not a lot of the time. I, I mean, th- this deck's real way of trying to win the game, this is not a, you know, um, a heavyweight boxer that's trying to land that one punch. This deck is very much a constricting snake. You just, you're you're trying to close all the doors one by one and, you know, choke your opponent out. I just feel a lot of the time it has a strong grip, but loses it. You know, like, I know exactly what the constricting, like, sort of slowly locking you out of the game aspect. I just feel it's like one key piece away. I don't think the deck is bad. I think it's just... I don't know if it's in deck building or maybe it's just one card being printed away from being great. I'm not sure yet. I, I mean, the decks have had ways in the past to make sure that they can close the game out. Usually it's you just play Profane Tutor so that once you've kind of locked your opponent out in the mid game, you can then find the specific thing that they then can't ever beat. Overall, though, um, I'm a big believer in the versions of these decks that are just all interaction spells so that you don't fall behind early game. Late game, you 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 yeah. solve how to win the game, um, you know, from there. Yeah. At the moment. M- March of Red Sorrow is just yeah. so fun. Yeah, of yeah I mean, that card will gain you 15 life randomly, so. <laughs> Consistently, maybe just killing a Morg that gains 16. Thought Distortion, amazing piece of card on the sideboard of some of them. Devastating, to say the least. Perfect. Any uh, any other thoughts on uh, Mom for for modern though? Anything you're still um, you know looking to brew at in the immediate future? Looking to brew at. Let me think. So from Mom, I have yet to see any sort of deck involving 
Um, Omen Hawker, mm. sadly. I really want to try Omen Hawker. I think I will sit my ass and do so in Pioneer. I want to take some really bad decisions one of these days and play Invasion of Kovacan, turn two, turn three, Wasteland Strangler. Mm. I owe people an Invasion of Ixal and Yorion grind the Pioneer deck. Because I love Invasion of Ixal and I think it's the best front side. I think it's one of the few that are actually worth its cost. Two mana to look at five. It's actually really deep. And grab any permanent is super generic, so that's a card I actually want to dig into. But nothing that's like archetype shifting. No, sorry. I want I need to sit down and play Meeting of Vines in a mm. Prowess shell. In a not sorry, not a Prowess, in a young Pyromancer. Iconoglass shell for the, for yeah, the fun of just it. just draw your cards, have fun. And I'm going to say something right now involving a leak, but I want to play Invasion of Ramnica, of Ramnica with the leak they miss it. Cool. Have you seen the uh, leak they miss it? I looked at it a little bit. Um, I'm so preoccupied with the cards that I currently have that I wasn't super worried about, you know, the ones coming out six months from now. Yeah, no, it's not six months, it's three, three weeks. weeks. Good lord. This this set comes out, I think. Wait, is it going to be modern legal? Yeah, yeah. It's so it releases on Magic Online in thirteen days. Previous start in two days, and it's modern legal. May twelve? What? Digital release May eleven. Twelve days, not six months. Sorry. What? What is? Yeah. Yep. But and it's only fifty cards. Yeah, and it's five card booster packs, and it's more illegal. So yeah, I'm not preoccupied because in six months I'm looking at it because it's in two weeks. <laughs> Guys, you have no idea what Simon's face right now. I think I broke. <laughs> I think what? I broke the man. Wait, no. This is coming out in thirteen days. Like this is gonna be on MTCO live in thirteen days. Huh. I broke him. Wait, sorry, sorry. Um, isn't isn't Lord of the Rings coming out in like a month? <laughs> Wait, no, that's in June. In June? Okay. Uh, yeah. Not to you know break the immersion for anyone. We're recording this two days before May, and the month after May is June. So like you know. Wait, wait, but it's like end of June. Oh, so right? fifty days from now instead of what? Yeah, see, it's sick. It's like fifty-four days. <laughs> uh, so much magic. So yeah, aftermath is releasing in fourteen days. I'm gonna go ahead and mention the Nimiset Supreme five mana five five flying hexproof from monocolor instant and sorceress with two color have sham start <laughs> five five protect hexproof from monocolor is unremovable. Huh. Leyland Binding Fury, March, March, Ending, Heat, Bolt. Instant sorceries that have two colors have jump start in your graveyard. All right, well, now that we've brought it up, um, I, I will say one thing that I was thinking about with the um, battle deck that I was playing is I, I did want a big bomb that was uh, pitchable to both Grief and Fury just so they never get stuck in your hand. Um, and I did actually look at playing yeah. niv Reborn because it is a big thing. And you actually have a lot of in-betweens. Yeah. 
You can come a lot of two Yeah, colors. and you can also play the new invasion that cares about dragons. That that card is like actually playable, and also yeah. like randomly getting it to be lightning bolt instead of shock is like is an upgrade. With eight dragons, you can consistently have it via two mana bolt. Sometimes even a two yeah. mana deal four. Which in a world of playing other battles, like you know, you could you could realistically have a moment where you had like too many um, niv mists stuck in your hand. But then just like deal four damage to flip an invasion of Amonkhet, and then you're like, oh, never mind. Thanks, thanks, Niv. Also, you only thanks, cost Steve. five mana. Like you can just cast this card, and it is still a six-six flyer. Yeah, and and you are playing a five-color yeah. mana base. You are actually built for this. Good. But yeah, previews are starting in three days, so get ready for some previews pretty soon. <sighs> Is it ever too much magic? I think we're gonna find out pretty soon. Oh my god. I just I don't have I thought I thought I had fifty days until I had to think about a new set. So have you ever read Invasion of Ramniga? Yeah. yeah, no, I know all the words on that card. Even yeah. on the backside? I wanna try something with this, I don't know. It's so it, it's, good. It costs five. It just costs five. Yeah, but it's a removal, like just exile on ETV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know it's bad, I know it's bad. I'm just trying to convince myself, yeah. you know how it works. We both have done this in the past where we have a bad card and we just convince ourselves it's good. Yeah. I'm actually surprised. So this is going to be the final subject because we're over an hour already and that's with me having lost 20 minutes of track. So we can leave that here, we know that. I'm surprised by how much you haven't fallen in love with Winora once again. Ooh, okay, so... So you, you, so I want to let everybody know Sandman was one of the first persons, first people ever to actually brew with Winora and have success with it. Like, Winora got spoiled and he was super over it. He realized how strong of a freaking card it was. Now I'm surprised he has lost his love for his soul baby. So, I, I will say, I do love Winota. It's not that, you know, I, I don't care about her. It's not that I've forgotten. Um, it's that the the play patterns, I have felt like I have found most of the ones that I'm interested in exploring. Um, also, it's like, kind of uh, really hard to play currently in Modern. Um, there's just a lot of Furies and a lot of Solitudes and a lot of Unholy Heats and all of the things that are good against scam decks and other creature piles are also good against your Winota deck. And the the coolest things that you can do with Winota also make you incredibly dead to interaction, which is like kind of yeah. the reason why I've moved away from it. Um, you know, I I stepped away from magic for a little bit right when MH2 was coming out. Uh, and I jumped back in because I was like, oh, my gosh, Ragavan is like the perfect home. It, it's so good in my Winota deck. And uh, what I actually found out was it's so good in the modern format that uh, red cards are seeing play. And Ragavan is so good. It's good. It's the best yeah, card in yeah, every deck. And everyone knowing that they need to have ways to deal with one mana creatures uh, makes your deck worse. I will say for people that are enjoying, um, you know, and enjoyed Winota back in Pioneer, there are some really powerful tools that you do get in Modern. Voice Resurgence is actually better in Modern than it is in Pioneer because people are going to have to interact on your turn. And getting that token is like really, really impactful in this format more than it even was in Pioneer. Hmm. Um, Kasali Ambusher is like insane against the red decks. It slaughters Ragavans out of nowhere. 
Um, it is a non-human hmm. for attacking for Winota. Um, you can play Ranger Captain of Eos to get like uh, Bomac Courier and Ranger Captain's just insane currently in the format because it shuts off the Cascade decks. Like, there's a lot to do. It's the only spell where it acts as a counter spell rather than a yeah. silence. And yeah. it cascades. You know, and the the most impactful thing about Winota in Modern that is not immediately apparent to people is the way that Winota works with Magus of the Moon. So traditionally in Magic, when you cast a Blood Moon effect, your opponent responds with cracking their fetches, you know? Oh, I know. This is the enigmatic mouse of the moon. This is the best mouse of yeah. the moon. Because the way that Winota works, you don't declare which creature you're choosing. You don't, there's, it's not like a, I, I'm putting this thing on the stack. You just attack, you get some triggers. Um, Magus the Moon is a human, so you can put it into play off of the Winota. It has indestructible, so it can't be hit. And um, the moment it's in play, fetch lands are just mountains. They're just mountains. Things that can hmm. tap to make white mana for Ley Lines Binding. You can no longer tap to make white mana for Ley Lines Binding. No touch. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, like... I have won a few too many games the exact same way. Tap a Bayern on three, open and says, okay, it's a flicker or it's something. Magus. Sacrifice an Omen of the Sea. Go face with, with Enigmatic. Yeah. Magus. So, very powerful. There are a lot of cool things you can do with it. Um, you can put Asimo into play if you're interested in that creature. Um... Season Pyromancer is like the best enabler of all time because it um, can put two non-humans into play while itself being a human and also making sure you can draw and find your Winota. Like there are powerful things there to do. Um, I have been exploring other things recently. <clears throat> so the love isn't there. It's just yeah. hard to be found. Yeah. Love is there. Love is there. No, no, no. I'm, Never, never, never filed divorce papers. Still legally something there, but, you know. <laughs> All right, love to hear that. More importantly, love to hear the fact that we're in shock. We're getting a new set in 12 days. And more importantly, Lord of the Rings in 55. So, with Sandman in pain, I'm going to bid everybody adieu. Thanks so much, Sandman, for joining in today. It was a lot of fun, Bard. Two summers unleashed. Thank you so much, Bard. Love you. Love to hear from you again. And hope to see you again soon then. Absolutely, and I'll see you all in the Discord. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a beautiful night. Bye-bye.